SEC, man. It's only played one way. You lock and load, and you do what we do. You got me? You lock and load, and you do what we do. Let's go.
Welcome into the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. A lot of good things happening this weekend. Man, I almost had a heart attack last night. These get, the March Madness is in full effect. And it's even starting with the with the conference tournaments. But we're going to jump into that a little later on. But right now, we're going to jump into this devotional. And it's a good one. So those who need to hear it should hear it. Uh, so we're just going to jump into it. This one comes from Psalms 34, 1 and 3. 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My Lord will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever. Glorifying the Lord is not limited to worshiping in church. In fact, praise should be should permeate the believer's life. One obvious way that we praise the Lord is with our voice. We can either speak or sing our worship. The psalmist put adoration into words and set their love to music. True worship flows from the mouths of, of believers who are focused upon God's attributes. They desire to honor him because of who he is, what he has done, and what he has promised for the future. Genuine worship allows the Lord to fill our hearts and minds with his presence. But praising the Lord with wrong motives is an empty act. For example, if we are lifting our hands and singing loud only because doing so feels good, then what we're after is an emotional high. That kind of selfish praise falls short of heaven. Our God is praised when we serve him. People are created for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to his name. Therefore, nothing should limit our willingness to work for the king, particularly when we have a chance to share him with others. Christ is honored when his followers speak boldly about his grace and his work. Believers' testimonies are an amazing form of praise that, that magnifies God's name. Jesus Christ is worth more than any treasure this world offers. Loving him and understanding what he's done for you should be the motivation you need. You need to praise him with your life. Don't just sing. Serve his kingdom and share the gospel. Help to make God's throne room ring with worship. Little food for thought for you. So don't just glorify something. Don't just glorify God just because. And don't just glorify yourself just because. Do it because it's worth doing. Do it because do it because it's in your heart. It comes from your heart. You know, that's just like goes hand in hand with everything that we that we've talked about. Sports. Sports. You know, music, things of that nature. You know, it all goes hand in hand. Don't just praise God. Don't just praise the person. You know, do it because you feel like it's in your heart to do it. Just a little food for thought. We're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back, and we're gonna jump into some. We're gonna jump into some college basketball, some college football. You know, some uh, free agent news from around the NFL. And we'll be right back. Home 
Alabama mama, Alabama crazy, Alabama daddy, Alabama baby. I'm so Alabama. I'm so Alabama. I'm so Alabama. 
Back to the press box and the tailgate crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Now, aside from the new the new year for the NFL and college basketball, you know, starting March Madness and starting it off right, man, some of these free agency deals that we've heard about is just out of, out of my mind retarded. Um. I understand that you that you're looking for some big time some big time quarterbacks and you're looking for some big time money. You're looking to uh, make a big splash and and all this good stuff, but I, I I'm just gonna say it just like this. With all the things that that guys like that seems like the Jaguars have done upgrading a lot of their talent, getting Super Bowl winning winning players, getting upgrading upgrading their their special teams, upgrading their you know, I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen with, with Brian with Brad Norman and, and Brian Anger. You know, punters there, two punters there, they got two great punters who, you know, are among the top ten punters in the league. So I mean, you got two punters there, and then you you've gone out and you and you've done some big time, big time signings. You know, you <clears throat> you've got. I mean, you've got so many. I mean, you brought in a defensive tackle. You brought in a defensive end. You brought in you brought in some just some great, great players. I mean, Robert Ayers. Robert Ayers, you know, chose Tampa Bay, but still, you added Prince Amukamura. You added, I mean, you did so much in the past two days, in the past two, three days, where, I mean, you got, you got an offensive lineman that you needed. You got, I mean, you, you got so much going on, and what you've done made your team better. Now, the Bears are going out. They made a splash. They, you know, Danny Trevathan 
Danny Trevathan comes in. I mean, um, I mean, when Danny Trevathan comes in, he instantly makes your defense that much better because he's that Brian Erlacher type player that you want on your team. Smart knows knows everybody's job to do on the defensive side of the ball. It's just, I mean, he's just a taller Mike Singletary to me. Um, you know, the rumor is is now they're gonna look for for other players. They they want to they want to get some corners. They want to get another receiver. Uh, you haven't heard that much excitement from. You haven't heard that much excitement from from the Bears and from the Jaguars in a long time. But the Jaguars are making making some big time signings. And they're they're looking not to be the doormat this year. So I mean that that's just that's just the way that goes and you know we can go on and on about about certain about certain guys. I mean, Chris Ivory coming in, which which was which is a good signing because, you know, you have TJ Yeldon there. What does that mean for him? We don't know just yet. But we look at other signings around the NFL. You know, and the one signing that really pops off to everybody is the fact that you have <sighs> Brock Osweiler getting $18 million a year, and he's only played in less than 20 games. You have – I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense to me that that you would let him go the way you did. Um, I think the other signing – the other big signing – that a lot of people are talking about that doesn't really make sense and and uh the trade that the trades that you made is is there was one trade I can't remember who the teams were, but it just really didn't make any sense because you've got you've got other teams that are you know that this guy could fit with, like Brent Grimes. You know, he signed with Tampa Bay. But, you know, you go to the Pro Bowl the last two years, you know, and a lot of people talk about his wife this, his wife that. I mean, his wife don't play the game. (laughs) I mean, let's just put it that way. His wife don't play the game. I mean... Let, let's put that like I said, his wife don't play the game, but they say his wife was a big problem. His wife was a big problem in in the locker room, which I don't. How can she be in the locker room when she's tweeting from the wives' box? I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, but when she criticizes the quarterback and criticizes the play call, she has all the right to do that because she was exactly right. I mean. You look at some of the play calls, you look at everything that's going on in Miami, and she pretty much just told the truth. Nobody wants to really hear the truth. That's why he got released. And he got released the first minute free agency started. 
the first minute. I mean, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But, and then, then we look at, we can look at what the Falcons have brought in. I mean, they released Roddy White. They went out and got Mohamed Sanu, which was a good, good, good pickup. You know, is he worth the money that he, that, that they shell out to him? Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I think that it'll show up because he can be that deep threat that that Atlanta's looking for. Even though he's a taller receiver, he's more of a he's more of a possession type receiver, but he does have good speed and he can make problems because he's very long, he's very lean and, and he makes things happen. So, I mean that that's part of that's part of everything there. Um, I mean, you look at look at things there, and then you look at Robert Griffin the third, you know, getting released, Johnny Manziel getting released, makes sense. But the one deal that I don't understand that the that the Giants made, and I do understand that he's getting that he's getting some some incentives to go along with that. You know, but the Victor Cruz deal made absolutely no sense to me. I mean, you have one of the best receivers in the league. Granted, he is coming off some injuries. He has been injury prone here in the last couple of years, but that doesn't take away from what this guy has done for you on the field, off the field, you know, being that guy being Eli's number one target. So he should be treated like a number one target, but you're not really treating him like that. You're not really treating him as such. And, you know, $1 million, $1.3 million, you know, is, is, is really not enough money for him. I mean, with the incentives, it bounces up to $5.5 million, but it doesn't, it doesn't really fit it doesn't really fit what he's trying to do in there. I mean, Ben McAdoo is trying to rebuild a lot of things. He's trying to do things, I mean, there as well, which is a good thing. Then you look at and you look at a guy like then you look at the Eagles. The Eagles have pretty much decimated everything that <laughs> pretty much done everything possible to get rid of a lot of things um, that Chip Kelly has has brought in, you know, um, got rid of DeMarco Murray, got rid of Mark Sanchez, um, Brian Maxwell, Kiko Alonso got traded to Miami, Brandon Bear, outdoor. I mean, these are a lot of players that was getting paid a lot of money to underachieve in Philadelphia, and I think for for that, I mean, that makes them that makes them look very very bad, uh, in a sense, because you gave Chip Kelly all the power in the world, and this is what he's left you with. I mean, he left you with the cupboard pretty much bare. I mean, if if you want to put it that way, 
he left the cover bare. I mean, he left. I mean, he he left the he left them with nothing. You know, a lot of players that need to go. I mean, you get rid of Shady McCoy. You get rid of. I mean, you got Sam Bradford back in the fold, and you know, which shouldn't he shouldn't have left anyway. Nick Foles in the left. Um, and then you also have guys like you have guys like Pech Daniel, who has been a career backup, but he's such a professional and he's such a great player that he's he's always going to be that guy that you can lean on no matter what. I mean, that's what happened when he was at when he was at KC. That's what happened when he was in when he was at um, New Orleans. He's that guy that he fits into any system. But the reason why he hasn't started much is because, you know, a lot of people look at him and view him as a guy that can come in and be that hot rod, you know, that that guy who can take over. He's very smart. You know, that's the reason why, you know, a lot of people talk about – that's the reason why a lot of people talk about guys like – Chase Daniel being being career guys, being career NFL guys, not necessarily backups, but not necessarily starters, but being that those guys like the Jeff Hosteller types who who come in and basically can step in at any time. The Frank Wrights of the world, I mean, come in and step in and just play, just ball out. That's what Chase Daniel brings to the table now. He's actually got a legitimate shot to be a starter in the NFL and showing what he can do in the NFL. That That's the big thing that a lot of people want to see. If, if Can he step up? Because this is a chance for him to step up. He's getting paid money to step up to being a quarterback, to being a real quarterback. Um, you know, and then we, we – let's just bounce over to some college football, and it's like – I mean, University of Illinois made a splash. They made a big-time splash. Um, when you hire a guy of Lovey Smith's um, potential, I mean, and and I say this, and I say this, this is this is glad to anybody else. Me being a college football fan, me being a guy who loves college football and loves football as a whole. Um, I'm so excited for this hire because when you look when you look at this hire, I thought the new AD at I thought the new AD at Illinois was an idiot getting rid of Bill Cubitt. I really thought he did. I really thought he was because it. It made no sense to a lot of people to get rid of them, especially on your first day on the job. But then, as you then two days later, he comes up with Lovey Smith as your new head football coach. I'm, I am just excited to see what's going to happen and what things are going to happen in Champaign. Because when you look at what could happen at Illinois now, you can 
you can get players from the Chicagoland area. You won't lose the Chicagoland area kids to Northwestern. Um, the to Northwestern, the other kids going to Wisconsin, I you know coming in and and taking away from you like the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, the Ohio State's, Michigan's, and, and teams of that, and you know higher higher echelon Big Ten teams come in into the state and take away. What what we've got, what Illinois has got, Lovey has done, and because of the fact that he that he's coached in the Chicagoland area, makes him that much more susceptible to getting those kids in into Illinois and away from Northern, away from I me. Mean, a lot of kids are going to Northern because Northern is, I mean, even though Northern Northern Illinois plays in the MAC, let, let, let's let's be honest here. Your flagship school is Illinois, but the best school to play football at is Northern Illinois or Illinois State or or FBS or FCS schools like Illinois State and. And um, and Western. I mean, you, you look at those schools, and they have a tradition of getting the Chicago kids. Now they have a guy who's been the coach of the the Chicago He can go. He can pull those guys, those three and four star guys who would leave the other schools. Bigger schools, you know. This is this is a big thing. Now that he's got that, he's got that. See Illinois get better players. You're gonna see them be able to recruit. You're gonna be able to to see Illinois recruit not just in state but all over the Midwest, and even dip into. I mean, even dip into the South. If you look at it that way, I mean. Lovey Smith is is from the South. I mean, he's from Texas. You know, he can get some of his kids who are slipping through the cracks with the with the Big Four. They don't want to go to other Big Twelve schools. They don't want to stay in the state of Texas. This could possibly get him to where the elite of the elite come in and play for Illinois. So this is this is just a little food for thought. It's a lot of things to ponder here, but this is a great hire for Josh Whitman. Um I think another I think another good hire that a lot of people have haven't really talked about in you know, in the last few weeks is is the hire of is an, is another new hire that a lot of people haven't talked about. Um which was that, you know, even though this was last year, but nobody really gave him the credit that he deserved. You know, you look at Tom Herman, you look at what he's done at Houston, you look at what what these other guys have done in Houston, at Houston in Texas, and, you know, at Texas, Charles Strong, and, you know, you look at what Florida's done. This goes along with those great hires, you know, 
You don't see it much on the football field, especially at Texas. You don't see it in the football field, but you do see it in the locker room. And that's the reason why I think you have guys like you have a guy like Charlie Strong who still got a job. You have a guy like Jim Harbaugh who who has a job. I mean, who has a job, knows what he's doing. You know, Michigan guys, you know, Michigan guys, guys who, you know, who have love for the schools that they are, that they're at and where they want it to be at. So that makes this, this is a good, good, good hire. And it goes along with those hires as well. Um, Probably one of the, this is probably the best hire of all the hires that we've seen uh, in this past coaching season. So with that being said, we're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. Um, going to talk more college football. We're going to talk more free agency. Um, jump, into some, jump into some baseball as well. Um, so stay tuned. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen. You know, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're right here with us tonight, and I thank you for that. Hailing from Norfolk, Massachusetts, give it up for him, y'all. Homie, my eyes too filled with the shit I seen. And daytime told me still I dream When a cold glass filled with the feel I bring And still it's old schooling when I ride on clean And I could reach on to the levels above Or maybe skyrocket to the levels of buzz I'm feeling way better by the end of my run So I'm in paradise kicking by the time that I'm done You feel me? A new space where my mind is Your opinion couldn't define this And we searching only to find bliss Steady living on cause you can never rewind this Living, I earn, I give and I earn Hustle and burn through the essence of spreading my word I stay vivid to the dreams done On these verses, I'm giving Cupid machine guns So bada boom, what's love, come on The sky is the limit, so you know you just keep going Yeah, you keep on pressing on Against the world, round one, nothing here to take the pressure off. On skylines, I can level off. I put my ego on the edges of clouds until I let them dry. Hitting the ground, good riddance. The boy rigid with sand and my mood shifting. Young nights with parties and new women. Regardless of the crowds, I'm thinking we too different, cuz. They in it for recognition, we in it for love. Cursing a dollar to the point that I'm getting me some. Miles above what was supposed to be out of my brain. Ironic, cuz I thought about jumping a gun. Biting bullets with the peace signs on them. Running from the ruckus to the whole path on us. Running and still, never forgetting where I came from. It's one love and one fan to the game's one. We ain't the same, son. The sky is the limit, so you know you just keep on. Yeah, you keep on pressing on. The sky is the limit, so you know you just keep on. Yeah, you keep on pressing on. The sky is the limit, so you know you just keep on. Yeah, you keep on pressing on.
sky ain't even the limit, man. Do what you love. And focus on what you care about. And who you care about. And on and on and on. We pressing on and on and on. And one more time before we're up out of here. Give it up for the beautiful lyric of Jada. Pressing on and on and on We gone Even though they know I'm blowing up 
took a while, but they know it's cow. When I'm rolling up, people doubt, always ask me how. But I'm sure enough that I'll be the greatest that my town has ever seen. Be the one to pick them up when they're down like a towing truck. Working, yeah, I'm working, put my team on, that's for certain. I swear that's the naked truth, hiding behind those shower curtains. I managed to keep it clean, making music without cursing. Now I'm entering the system, watch me do it like a surgeon, that's for certain. Yo, welcome back to the Press Box and Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Live by Terrence Network is in the building. Is this, I, I don't want to talk about this because it, it seems to be very, very irrelevant to me right now because you look at what the Cleveland Browns have done this offseason. I think Hugh Jackson is a good hire for, for the Cleveland Browns, but the one of the things that, that I'm so glad that they've done is gotten rid of a problem, not even a situation. It's, it was just a problem. It was a cancer that was eating up, that was eating up the locker room, and things of that nature. And also, you know, I didn't want to even talk about the other situation that's going on with RG three either. But I feel like I had to, I have to say something about this. I feel it in my heart. I, 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 you know, you know how you just get that feeling that you got that you got to get it off your chest. So I'm just gonna get it off my chest. I'm gonna say it just like this. When you have guys like Johnny Manziel who think that they are entitled to be a star and because they've had some little bit of success in high school, had a little bit of success in in college, that that will manifest itself in a professional game where you don't have to study film, you don't have to do this, you don't have to do that. That's total and utter Yes, and you're a free agent because of that. You have a guy who has all the abilities in the world, but one, he doesn't know how to shut up. He doesn't know how to how to how to be responsible. He doesn't know how to how to be a team player. I mean, you're doing stuff that you have no business doing. Look here, I'm a 35-year-old man, and one of the things that that I even think about doing is going and play football again. I think about doing that all the time. I think about just just getting back into school, going and going and just walk on at a college and just kick footballs because that's what I do. That's what I've done, and I still do it to this day because that's what I love to do. Now, if I'm doing this 
and I'm not really getting paid for it, what makes you think what I would do if I was getting a college education for it? I wouldn't squander it. And if I was and if I was to get a professional contract, and this is all hypothetically speaking, if I was to get a professional contract, do you think I would I would screw it up? Do you think I would get get complacent? Do you think I would rest on my laurels? No, because this is what you've worked on twenty four seven, three sixty five with the diets, the exercise, getting yourself mentally focused, getting yourself together. This is what this is all about. Manziel didn't do that. Johnny Manziel wanted everybody around him to make him better instead of making himself better. And that's a problem. And that's the problem that everybody else has had with him, is that he feels too entitled. I thought that he would be great with Cleveland. I thought that he would actually grow up. I thought he would actually make things work for him at Cleveland. But as you can see, immaturity rears his head again. And as for the other situation, with the RG3 situation, he was never really wanted in Washington to begin with. I mean, you get him hurt. He comes back the second season. You see that he's not really healthy at all. He's not healthy at all. And you play him. And then you want to blame all your troubles on him. And then you have a guy who was his safety blanket come out and be a little pissant and and when I say this, I mean this in, in the most sincere way possible. You know, Chris Cooley broke down the fourth wall and did some and said some things and did some things that he shouldn't have done in in the locker room. You know, you take stuff from the locker room, you say, guys really didn't like him. No, guys really didn't like you. That's why you're not in the league. And it's not because you retired. It's because you sucked. You really sucked as a player. You really sucked as a tight end. I didn't like you as a tight end. I thought that there were better guys that could have played for the for the Redskins. But Joe Gibbs gave you a chance, and Daniel Snyder gave you money, which he shouldn't have given you money to begin with. Let's just let's just be for real about this. Brian Arapko has a great point when he says what you said was out of line and you shouldn't have said it. You know, but that's just me because. When you look at what at what RG three has done, he led you to a to a division championship. He wasn't healthy in that playoff game, and you played him anyway. And then he destroys his ACL. He comes back, comes back ready for the season, gets hurt again. Preseason last year, you know, Jay Gruden really doesn't want really didn't want him there. Shanahan really didn't want him there because they don't like his skill set. But when you look at when you look at other guys who do the same thing, the Michael Vicks, the Randall Cunninghams of the past, Fran Tarkenton, who who was the architect of the dual threat quarterback, um, Sonny Jurgensen. I mean, I can go on over this. Steve Young was a dual threat quarterback. I mean, even though you know, you know, Steve Young. Um, I mean, I can go on and on about this. You know, Dante Culpepper was a pocket passer who could who could, who could be mobile a little bit. But you, but 
don't see the genius in what he does. You don't see the genius in what he could be as a as a quarterback. You don't see what the genius is that that he could be as as a guy that could be a difference maker. Because you never really gave him a chance to to be that guy. That's the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Cap wants to be. He wants to go to the Broncos. Does John Elway really want a really want a dual threat quarterback? He had one in Tebow. Tebow led him to. Led him to the led him to the playoffs. Okay, you had to go and get Petting Manning, who at this point in time, coming off of neck surgeries, he's not even the Petting Manning of old. You have a defense that you built around him to win that championship. It wasn't on Peyton Manning. This is the one thing that that I've talked to numerous people about, whether it's college guys, whether it's Professional guys who who watch the professional game or people that I that I've conversed with on Twitter and and everything and you 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 look at what Peyton Manning is and what Peyton Manning was he could have led he couldn't lead teams to the promised land he had his defense lead him to the promised land let's get this let's get this let's get this straight he was awful in those two in these two Super Bowl wins. I mean, is he a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Yes. Is he a clutch quarterback in the postseason? Absolutely not. He's the greatest regular season quarterback ever. Who's fortunate enough to have two rings. That's all I'm saying. Is Eli the better quarterback? Of course. Eli has actually actually won games. So, I mean, Eli's actually won championships based from his arm, not from a defense, with his arm. I mean, no said. But anyway, I had to get that off my chest. I had to get on my soapbox for a minute. But I, I feel like I feel like it's going to get the quarterbacks in this, in this era, they're not the quarterbacks of yesteryear. If I can say that, because you have a guy like Brock Osweiler, who I'm a college football guy, and let, let's let's see it straight. I'm a college football guy. Brock Osweiler was one of those guys I thought could be a good NFL quarterback. He had all the attributes. He has a great arm, quick release, things of that nature, but. Did I think that he would translate into a good quarterback? I did. But at the same time, it kind of makes me wonder if $18 million is too much for him. I mean, you look at a guy like A.J. McCarron who can ball. We saw that in the playoffs. Make the throws. I mean, he's not a bad. I mean, AJ McCarron is probably the best Alabama quarterback to come out. One of the best quarterbacks to come out of Alabama in a very, very long time. And and don't get me wrong. And and hear me out on this. You haven't had Alabama hasn't had a quarterback that's won the Super Bowl since Stabler. And of those quarterbacks that have played Alabama, only two quarterbacks have won. 
Super Bowls. One being Joe Namath and the other being being Ken, being the aforementioned Ken Stabler. The question is I have for everybody is is AJ McCarron that next guy to step up from the from the University of Alabama and win the Super Bowl? Good question. And to be perfectly completely honest with you. I think that he possibly could, given the right situation. But developmentally, do I think that he's ready to to be that guy? Yeah, no, maybe. And and I'm kind of torn about this, all only because of only because of this. He's a second-year guy who's still learning the pro game. You know, and this is a guy who doesn't rest on his laurels either. He's a he's a very studious guy. He's a very studious, studious player. And what makes him even more different is that he's learning from one of the elite quarterbacks of this of this generation, Andy Dalton. And granted, Andy Andy hasn't won a playoff game, but he hasn't. He he still got it, you know. If you think about it, let, let, let me let me put it in a better in a better way. Let me let me let me go back. You look at a guy like Andy Dalton, and you look at where AJ McCarron is. He's a number two, and he makes things that much better because we know what AJ can do. We know his skill set. We know he can get out and run if he has to run. You know, he's got a little athleticism to him, but does he want to get out and run? Probably not. Not all the time, but if you need that that 10, 15 yards to get there, then yes, I, I can see him being that guy, but in the grand scheme of things, I like to see AJ stay where he is and develop more as a quarterback. And if that means staying there behind Andy Dalton, then stay there because you're only going to make yourself that much better when you're around guys like like Andy Dalton. When you're around guys who are studious and 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 love the game and learn the game. Kind of like a Peyton Manning, kind of like a Eli, kind of like a Matt Ryan, guys who who stay in front of of, of, a, of a computer, excuse me, a computer screen or a projector, and just look at play after play after play, and just know what people should be doing. You know, whether it's offensive, whether it's the line, or whether it's the running backs, receivers what they should be doing. So it's not like it's not like she's not ready because he, he he is ready. I mean, he is ready in a sense. But do I think that he should be traded? No. And I know a lot of people are going to want him to be traded. I mean, but you look at the Matt Shop situation and what happened 
with him in Atlanta being behind Michael Vick. Did it stun his growth a little bit? Maybe. But once he did get into play and once he did get the chance to start, you start seeing little things that he could do, but a lot of things that he could have improved on. But that's just me. But, you know, that that's my rant for the day, and that, that, that's pretty much I had, what I had to get off my chest. But we're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're going to have the lovely, vivacious, pretty woman that we call Audrey Gunther from com uh, online with us. We'll be talking some college basketball, so stay tuned. Put it down like Raised on a rule, never love what you ain't got So I walk by the cold, never talk, and you just not Took a ride out there real quick just to find that we all won Ask God what it means, saying back, never know until it's all done I'm still up with a glass filled up for the fact that we all won Caught up in a taste for some peace in the mind Won't stop till I got some So I live by the sides of the folk I would die with Cause say it's mine to give It's one love and one life to live So tonight it's on us Put it down like Came in by the sea Looked round for the home That she found in the South End Raised my mom up Same time serving meals Every day just to pay rent Eighty years gone by And she's still right here Man, damn it, she love all Cause real talk She was never alone Paving the way for the new unknown That is me sitting Low up in the ride Cap to the side All round I seen vibes of all types Made it through the rain From clouds of all kinds Through the good and the bad The people of both sides Now it ain't hard to tell you I'm about mine Thinking on world change I'm thinking it's about time And born with the poor Just understand that you can be Whatever you aim for For real
So people still searching for this truth here.
mind, a soul sky that's mine. I don't wish I climb. My old ceilings denied. The daytime arrives, your nightmares confirm. My whole tribe's alive. We stay fitted for the finish, never ask why. Six rays, he's telling me I can't fly. My hopes reach for the ceiling with their hands high. So understand, got the city on standby. Finding a balance in a game that's morally wrong. For 5 a.m. up in the morning, we duck in the light. Earn time through the habits we usually own. Saving up, better spend it on nothing, that's right. That's a hell of a night. The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing. Your mind locking the lanes, rocking the same plane. The bed swinging, the Z's clinging, the same dream. A low limit, what the frame brings. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. But hold up, let them pick to this. No pills, it's still limitless. Recouping the true essence, the legends who passed on Live forever while we reminisce True precision I give forever and never miss Signature sound like signing down on a dotted wish Seeing signs of you clown rappers on common shit Trading in your word for green faces and diamond whips Copping medallions while my people starve I think the public getting blind to what honesty is I heard life is stage play a part But we ain't trying to be a part of this comedy biz Cause ain't it funny, I'm holding like no grudges As long as your hoes love it and money just keeps coming Trying to rain on your fire by burning my whole budget A liar, where well, y'all liars rely on the same subject The drag swimming, the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking the lames, rocking the same plane The bed swinging, the Z's clinging, the same dreams uh, A low limit, what the frame brings Low limit, what the frame brings we up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. A low limit what the frame brings. A low limit what the frame brings, yeah. A low limit what the frame brings, uh. Applying on the same things, yeah. About to get a choir in here. Plotting on the same things. We just plotting on the same things, yeah. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. Trotting on the same thing, trotting on the quest to with against us with the fame brain. Come and be my guest, you can get flame, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rapping, can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try and stack up all this gen. Try and up all the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my men don't make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clip That's a semi-automatic, you can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers playing dress up You in the wrong sector, thought I'd tell you The rap game is not a pageant, it's tragic Since a young and been busting bum to get out the gutter Avoiding trouble and now I'm buzzing due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles, waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog, I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming, only action, me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing, why you guys are steady napping Treasure my presence like pirate chest, I'm spitting crack Release the crack and cow moving back And so I hope you rappers started packing Hey, uh, 
dead and evicted And even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted We making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping Might leave a sticky note with a message, you just missed the tape We've been working hard, people never stop that hating Only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating Early flights and elevators take me to my destination Seventeen and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame yet it's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting Lotto for $36 million and we got people starving in the streets. That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars, and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you notice somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Welcome back into the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Now we're getting into the the busy part of the show where I have my guest online with us today, the very, very, very knowledgeable, talented, beautiful Audrey Gunther is in the in the press box with me. Audrey, how are you oh, doing thank today? You. I'm good. What an introduction. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Last let's just let's just start from yesterday afternoon. Let's just jump right into oh, it. Oh my God. <laughs> it would not be March. If, like you said uh, just a few minutes ago off air, it would not be March if UConn wasn't in a seven to eight <laughs> overtime game. And yes, I exaggerated because you said four, but I'm going to say seven <laughs> to eight. So, I mean, <laughs> wow. They're just reminding everyone that they're still there. They're still relevant. Um, yeah, it, that was insane. That was, I mean, I knew like right from then that the night was just set for greatness. But yeah, what what an ending. I mean great team. Cincy played awesome too. You can't knock that, but Oh yeah. God, oh yeah. U- UConn in March is just a whole nother level. I mean, Kevin Ollie to me is just setting himself up to get that big deal with a power five school as of right now. Oh and yeah. You really I really think... want to think about that. Oh, I think so. I think in like five years, you'll see him somewhere with a with a bigger conference, better basketball conference. But I really like him at UConn. I thought he, I from the get go when he was hired, I always thought he was a really great fit. And he's been, I mean, UConn's had a pretty quiet season, but they're like I said, they're just reminding everyone they're still here. They thrive in March. So I think that he's going to continue that legacy that UConn has in March. And I'm really excited to see what damage they're going to do in the tournament. I, I am too, and, and you know, I had them pegged as like a 12 seed, but I think after after this performance in the American tournament and the teams that they've beaten along the way, I think that they've moved themselves up into a eight, nine, maybe, maybe, maybe a seven seed in a in a sense. But I think eight, nine yeah. would probably be a good a good fit for them. And then we talk about, I mean, talk about Davidson. We talk about, I mean, I even watched the Pac-12 game after the after the Big 12 game went off the air, and that one was just as great as all the other games of, of the of the day. So, but um, 
Davidson pulling off a big upset, beating St. Bonaventure last night as well. Does that move schools like St. Mary's and and possibly a BYU into the tournament, even though they both lost? I mean, I think BYU is honestly just out. I don't think that they – I think St. Mary's definitely – um, like deserve. I think St. Mary's deserves to be in. I think they have a better record. They had a better record than Gonzaga. I know Gonzaga won their whole thing, but I mean, if you had to pick between the two of them, definitely St. Mary's. BYU kind of had a disappointing season. I think at this point they're just out. Period. But yeah, I mean that does definitely shake things up. Um, there were so many upsets yesterday. It was crazy. I think. I looked at Bracketology today, and St. Bonnie's moved to last four. He moved them down to last four buys. So, I think I, mean, I think that they could still do well in the tournament, though. I think that they are one of those dangerous teams that can – that is. I don't want to say a giant killer. I don't want to put them in that category. But they can do they can do the upsets. Like, they're, I think they're the kind of team that you could see in, like, um, a 5-12 upset. Like, they would be the 12 upsetting. Like, they're that kind of team. I don't. I I hope they still make it in. And you know, I, and I do too. And you know, the other the other thing that goes along with this is that when you look at St. Mary's and what they've done and the resume they they brought to the board this year, they beat Cal mm-hmm. at Cal. They they don't. They went to um, UCLA, played UCLA tough. They beat Gonzaga at the kennel this year. And Gonzaga yeah. ne- never loses there. So, I mean, they've only lost there, including the, the losses that they've had this year. They've only lost 11 times in seven years at at home. So, I mean, it's, just, it's that kind of year for college basketball. And like we said last week, this is probably the best year for college basketball in a very long time. So... That's- Especially for teams like that, the teams that don't – like we talked about last week, the teams that don't traditionally lead the pack. Like, this is the year for them. I mean, if you look at WVU, perfect example. Um, Right now, they're second after their huge win last night. They're second in the East. And that's – I mean, I, I love Villanova, but if we're going to be a second seed, I want to be playing – I want to be whatever um, Villanova is number one in because, like, that's – a really easy pass for them. I mean, the whole East right now is still kind of lacking in my opinion, so that'd be an easy pass for them to just make it to the Final Four and then go from there. But this is definitely the year for those middle-of-the-pack teams to kind of push and be leaders and go to the Final Four and like just do well in tournament in general. There's no Speaking, set number one team. You're, you're, exactly, you're exactly right, and and you can you can actually vouch for at least three to three to five teams to be well five teams to be number one season in this year's field, but oh yeah, I mean there's no definitive one overall seed, and in my opinion, in the way that West Virginia's played, and especially last night holding Buddy Hill to only two points, and yeah, we we should get into this right now. <laughs> Getting into this game, I I am just overwhelmed and overjoyed because I watched this game from beginning to end, and you know I didn't know what game to watch. I was just going back and oh, forth yeah, that, through that, channels. That was a phone. 
scenario. The only game I thought that wasn't actually exciting was UNC Notre Dame. So that was just oh was yeah, ridiculous. definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. And you look at what West Virginia did the entire game. They face guarded Buddy Hield. They didn't roll off screens. They didn't do anything of the sort. They basically were in his face the entire night. And he only got two free throws. He didn't even have a field goal. He had two field he had two free throws for the game. And you look so at guys like Javon. Yes. And you look at guys like Javon Carter who was just in his face. And then um I I can't remember the uh number I think it was number one for West Virginia. I cannot Jonathan remember his Holden. name. Yes. Holden. He was like they they made such great plays. They just shut everybody down that needed to be shut down for Oklahoma. And they let a freshman do the business instead of letting instead of letting one of the big three do the business for them. And that was one of the things that I that was kind of disappointing that this game shouldn't have been close. But when you get hot at the right time, you just get hot at the right time. So I mean, I personally like when we play Oklahoma because even though the series this year was two to one in Oklahoma's favor, I mean, the first time we played Oklahoma, it was close. And I think people forget that, that we came to Oklahoma and we almost won. It came down right to the final second mm-hmm. because of the, um, when we played the second time, it was terrible. But yeah, like it goes back to what we were talking about last week with depth. I think that, I mean, I may be biased, partial, whatever, but I think WD's depth <laughs> is something that not a lot of teams like have like and it's just so rare like you said we could we can let the freshman do it we let Javon Carter had I think I want to say 26 points last night he does not normally do that he's not I wouldn't I wouldn't categorize him as one of our star players like Devin Williams or Jason Page like I the fact that we can still have players that can come out of the woodwork and do that is insane and um I had one of my buddies actually was like well W you got pretty lucky and all, and I only all I said back was there's nothing lucky about our press there's nothing, there's nothing lucky, lucky about, about holding buddy healed the two points like that's just that's talent that's athleticism that's not luck um no it's not luck and, at all I mean watching yeah, that game and it was I mean it's like I, I it's like I tweeted last last night it was excellent but sloppy all at the same time, and I, I think that was the best way of of describing this game because there were so many mistakes made by both teams that they had to overcome. Yeah. But at the same time, it was it was almost like I I, I want to liken it to like a ballet or or a dramatic movie because. It had so many ebbs and flows. It had so many different moments that either made you scream at the TV or made you or made you walk away from the TV or had you in heart had your heart like banging out of your chest. That was this is the type of game this was, and this is what makes March so great for me. As oh a yeah, whole. I mean. I agree with you to bring down to the very awkward ending um, with Oklahoma. It's just, I mean, yesterday, I think in general with 
UNC with Mich- with not UNC, sorry, with UConn with Michigan's game, um, oh Cal and Utah's game. Like how, God, every I'm like looking just to like refresh my memory with sports. Just everything was crazy, except for really. I mean, the SEC and the Big Ten kind of had a quiet day, but um, just nuts. And that's I think like I know we keep talking about how this is like a special year just because there is no definitive number one seed but this is like leading up to be one of the greatest tournaments like in recent years I think in terms of this upset that like I mean if anyone has a perfect racket like send them my way because it's gonna be so hard and I think these teams are really beating each other up and just and it's anyone's game and I think every school knows that at this point and I would agree and if you if Okay, if somebody has a perfect bracket, it's just like Audrey said. Just send, <laughs> like, me, just send me like $10, and I'll be just perfectly fine with $10 because we all know that you're going to become a millionaire if you get this, this bracket yeah, right? perfectly right. I mean... But then again, there's always... Sorry, it's always like the people of the perfect bracket are the people that like go off of mascots or like colors. Like It's just yeah. always wild. It's like... How how can you just pick colors instead of picking quality? It's just, I mean, it's just like Lunardi and his bracketology and, you know, how many teams he's going to have in in the field from each conference. I think now, when you look at, look at it now, nobody's going to get seven schools into the, into no. the dance. <laughs> I mean, he, he it's not going to happen. Seven, which is like, I mean, I, I know like we talked about TCU being a hot team, but honestly, or not TCU, Texas Tech, but losing to TCU is just, I think that's oh, that was horrible. Sorry, that was horrible. Better luck next time. Uh, yeah, and he still yeah. has seven schools. Pac, Pac-12 still has seven schools too. He dropped um, the what was it? Big Ten, I think, had seven last time. He dropped that mm-hmm. down to six. But yeah, you're right. I don't think any school should have seven teams. Oh my gosh! I mean, there's some. Uh, I, I just think that there should be some love given to the mid majors. You know. Uh, yeah, like I mean, the Missouri Valley, like the MAC, all of those. Um, even would you consider American mid? I know some I, people like. <laughs> you know, with the American being the old Big East, you know, derivative from the Big yeah. East. You would think that they would have that Power Five mon- or the, the 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 Super Six moniker associated with them, but now that they don't, even though they have football, the the teams in the American aren't as strong football wise. I think this mm-hmm. is, that's where a lot of the Power Five or or um what they call them, Super Six conferences in the past came from. And with the Big East not having basketball, not having football anymore, rather, I I, I would say that they're in that top echelon, but but I would probably put the Big East over over the Americans in a way. I, I mean, I, I would say. I think the legacy of the Big East is always going to throw them in the Power Five category, at least for now. Oh, I, I would agree. And, and see, the thing with the, with the Big East, and, and as you know, I mean, it's basically the Catholic Seven yeah. plus some other schools. I mean, and 
I, I don't know if the Big East is actually a good name for the conference. I think it's just it's just a legacy thing, like you said. So I I would put the I would put the Big East over the American simply because of the teams that are in that are in the that are in the Big East, like the Seton Halls, like the Xavier's, like the Butlers, you know, teams of that of that of that caliber. So I mean, it's it's hard to say. It's really really hard to say. Yeah, and even I think like um, another gray area, American and A10. I think like. I don't know if I would consider uh, A-10 a mid-major conference just because the teams that right now, um, Bracketology has four teams going in, and the four teams that would come in are all teams that, like, notoriously come in and just mess things up and can create upsets, like Dayton, uh, Bonnie's, BCU, and then St. St. Joe's is having a great year this year. Oh, yeah. um, and I think that they can come in and do the same thing what other A-10, A-10 teams have done. I think a lot of people don't realize that that is a dangerous conference. They're quietly this is dangerous. True. This is true. And – if Davidson wins the A10 conference championship, and I know that the championship game for the A10 is on Sunday, should Davidson get in? Does that mean that the A10 gets five schools in, or do they stay with uh, four? I I mean I think I don't know if they should get five. I feel like five is a lot. I mean Davidson obviously if they win Davidson has to go. I think um they I mean Dayton's next, and then Bonnie's, and then. BCU and so St. Joe's would be the one out, but um, I mean, but St. Bonnie's is out of the tournament, but they still like their record is still good. So I think right. it's gonna depend. I think it depends on who wins the St. Joe's Dayton game. I think that's gonna determine if they're gonna have four or five, just because I think BCU at this point is gonna be in no matter what. But I mean, if they're gonna go, if Davidson wins and they're gonna go four, that like um the next three down after, if that makes sense. Like does, if they're gonna go from really conference does. record after. But I mean, if they if it comes down to St. Joe's and Davidson, maybe there should be five teams because I don't think St. Bonnie's should be counted out entirely. But they're I mean, in that same awkward situation that St. Mary's is in, where I don't think they should be counted out entirely because they're the regular season champions. But Gonzaga still won their conference. Yeah, and they only won. They only lost five games this year. So yeah, like that's that's something that people need to take into consideration too. I mean, they don't have the hardest conference schedule, but BYU is still like kind of challenging and then Gonzaga I mean in winning where they've won and like, mm-hmm. and like those are all things that you have to take into consideration and, and I and I definitely I agree and it's just we you know we, we fail to talk about some of the other teams that could be in you know from the SWAC I mean the SWAC could possibly get two teams in with Texas Southern and Southern going in, but with Texas Southern losing in the SWAC tournament, Southern actually moves into the tournament, Michigan moves in, but I mean, you can't get two teams from the SWAC because they don't really play anybody, for real. Yeah, exactly. But I can see two teams getting in, but does that mean you leave a Bigger name school like a Duke out because I mean, may I think this year, I normal years, I would say no, but I think this year, like, 
I mean, like, he has Duke at a four seed, which I kind of think is a little ridiculous. I think they should be more, like, in the six or seven category, just because they, like, really haven't had a good year right? at all, really. I mean, they're just – I'm sure they're there just because they're Duke. But, like, I don't know, exactly. Like, who, like, do big-name schools – I'm trying to see where he has Kentucky at right now. Um, um, I don't even see them on here. Where are they? Probably in the south, right? Yeah. I don't see him on here. I'm not going to take my time to look at it. But, yeah, like, I mean, Duke <laughs> Duke and Kentucky just, like, aren't what they normally are. And, I, and we keep saying that all the time, but it's true. Like, and these smaller schools that are doing better, I mean, that have better conference records, like, maybe it is time for them to come in and, and see what they can do. This is true. And I'm actually looking at the brackets in – from the USA Today. Am I going crazy? In USA Today actually has them as a four seed in the East. I'm sorry. They actually have Duke as a five seed in the East. They have Kentucky as a four seed in the in the Midwest, in the Chicago region. Which Okay. Wow. I mean this is this is from USA Today. I'm not even looking at Lunardi's uh bracket as of yet. But Kentucky is a four seed, Duke is a five seed. I just, I, I just don't see it. And then he's also got Oregon State as an eight seed, which is kind of high. I mean, I would rather see them as a ten or eleven. But an eight seed in the Midwest is actually actually okay. But I, I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up USA today. Um, I think like, and then you have teams like um, I'm still looking at Lenardi's like so Seton Hall right now. He has Seton Hall as a seven and Villanova as a one, and that's the Big East Conference champ. Like the that's the matchup for Big East. So what happens if Seton Hall wins? Like how high up are they going? To, like are they? Yeah. Why would you? Home, why would you have? I mean, Seton Hall's had a they've had a great year, and if he's got them seven in the East, would yeah. Like what? Then that would make them like a four or a five seed out west, which kind of makes sense in a in a in a sense. But if they lose, what do they what do they go then? Do they go to a nine seed? Do they go to a ten seed, eleven seed? I mean, how low do they go if they stay in the east bracket, or if they go to the south? I mean, I kind of think they should stay in the east just because, like geographically that makes sense but yeah exactly like I, I think like they're like an awkward team like I don't really know I just I think seven's a little low for them right now um especially like I think Seton Hall and St. Bonaventure that's a lineup that the, the sorry that's a seven ten lineup for the east I think that's mm-hmm. a really good matchup that could go either way and then so if Seton Hall wins that I'm just gonna assume that WVU is gonna beat UNC Asheville but now that I say that they're probably like Knock on wood. Yes. Um, so then, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I haven't really seen Seton Hall play too much, and obviously, like, I'm just always watching West Virginia, so I think we could beat them. But, like, if they go up a little bit, like, maybe even, like, depending on how the A-10 tournament goes, like, swapping with Dayton, moving them up to a six. Like, I think that would almost make more sense because then they'd be playing UConn or Monmouth, which I kind of find it a little bit insulting that Monmouth and UConn are even tied, like, for that 11th seed spot. Like, from a UConn fan standpoint, that's a little right. bit <laughs> Like, uh, I don't right. know. I don't know what to do with Monmouth. 
I mean, you, you can't really, I mean, I don't think Mama should be in one of those first, in one of the, the first four games, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I it, but where else can you put them if you don't make them 11 seed, if you make them anywhere else? I mean, you would I have to move them. I think they would be great 5 and, 10, five and 12. <clears throat> and, and, I, and I would agree because, I mean, you look at, I mean, they play Cal, which means that Stony Brook, Wichita State game would actually make a lot of sense because even though Stony Brook is out of the out of the America East, I mean, and the America East, I mean, in this projection, is going to get two teams in, and Stony Brook is going to be in that large. Wow. Wait a minute. I don't think that they should get two teams in. Yeah, but yeah so I mean, Stony Brook is having a great year. I mean, they've I've seen them on just because that's from the area I'm from, um, and they right. play like U Albany and stuff. So I've seen them play, and they're and I'm happy for them because they're always so close, and they always just fall on the last minute during their conference tournament. But um, I don't think they should have two teams in. I mean, and that's the way. <laughs> this is the way that the the, the, the bracket is is set up too. Yeah, I mean, there's two American East teams in there. And it it does make a lot of sense because of who Stony Brook has played this year. They've got quality losses against some of the Power Five conferences as well, but they've also got some big time wins as well among other mid major schools in other conferences in that area. So it kind it kind of balances itself out in a, in a sense. Yeah. But at the same time, it. It's just like you said, you know, I, I you don't know if they should get that extra team in. Yeah, I mean, it's so tricky with those. Just because, like, me and my mom, actually, I called her before I called the show. We were talking about it. Um, and she was like, you're never going to see a Cinderella team out of that conference. I was like, okay. That's a little aggressive, but. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you kind of have in the past. I mean, well, when the America East wasn't the America East, it was – I can't remember the name of the conference, and you had Iona in the conference at one point, and they made it all the way to the Sweet 16. So, I mean, it's just – you yeah, never it, can it tell. No. You never can tell. Um, I'm looking at USA Today's bracketology now, and I like this – I like the Monmouth-Wichita State matchup much better than Joe already has. Um yeah, and I really, I actually like the Cal and Stony Brook matchup too. Like you said, that'd be great. I love five and twelve seeds are always my favorite game. So, and you know, I'm a Duke fan, and as a lot of people know, I'm a Duke fan. And what I saw Wednesday was just a debacle. I mean, you give up a 19 point lead and you get beaten overtime. Yeah. Nine losses I, in your in your five seed. You have nine losses in your five seed. Just it just doesn't make sense to me. I would love to see Duke and Texas flip flop if you're going to keep them in the East. I would rather see right Texas is a six seed. Texas six. Mm-hmm. That Texas or not Texas Duke Bonnie's would be a good matchup too. I mean, I'd I would like rather that. see that matchup. Yeah, I know that'd be. I think that'd be a better matchup. Um, how do you think Texas is going to do? 
Texas for me, they've got three seniors. They've got what, three, four seniors on that team. I love the guard play. I love the the reinvention of Texas as a whole. But mm-hmm. I don't think that they'll – I think they can make it to the third round and possibly play a – play a, um, I'm sorry. They would play um, – yeah, they would play Miami or UMC Wilmington. I think they could get past Miami. I think that they could probably sneak their way into a Sweet 16 if if the brackets hold up the way that they're holding up. I think they can sneak their way into a sweet 16 spot. But then again, you know, looking at looking at the brackets the way that we are, sweet 16 matchup would be Texas and a possible West Virginia matchup, which would be absolutely oh excellent. <laughs> which would be excellent to see that. And not only that, I mean, you saw what Texas and West Virginia, how they played. I mean, they split this year, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, did, I, think, I think they swept us, actually. There's something – we can't play Texas at all. There's something about Texas that we just – it's bad. Yeah, they did sweep us, though. Um, but that's – I feel like Texas – I don't like using the word inconsistent, but I feel like Texas should have won more. Like, Texas has wins – has losses that should, they should have won, and then they have – when like they've won games that I think they should have lost. Like when they oh, played yeah. us here, I think we could have we should have won that game. Should have won that game, yeah. And even and that, like I don't know if they actually won that game. What? I actually, I actually was thinking West Virginia won that game. No, we they got we get swept again. But um, I don't know how much you watched of the Baylor Texas game because I thought I was really excited for that matchup. I thought that was going to be out of the all the games that were going on that day. I thought that was going to be the best matchup. And they just underperformed. I mean, we, we turned it on during class, and we just shut it off because it was so boring, honestly. And what was so funny was I was actually listening to the game while I was at work, and and I'm like, wow, this is horrible. Like, yeah, you can't get nothing going on. Why am I listening to this? And then I'm like, well, I know why I'm listening to this, because I want to see where, where Baylor's going to play, if Baylor's going to play Kansas. And <laughs> – Wow. Yeah, they played Kansas all right, and they played them tough. Oh, yeah, they almost won. I mean, which I uh, kind of wish they won. I think at, at this point, Kansas is just on such a streak. I'd rather, I'd rather like, West Virginia play Baylor. But, I mean, it's it's a neutral location, which I think is going to be huge. I think it's really hard to win in Kansas just because their student section, that environment is really tough. It reminds me a lot of the Coliseum just in that right. like it's a, it's a mental thing. Like, it's tough to win at, but I think having a neutral location is going to help WVU out a lot. And you know, the the, the location of the Sprint Center in Kansas City as opposed to, to Lawrence is only like a 70-mile drive. So it could be a bit of a home game for, for Kansas. Yeah. But looking at the fans that were there last night during the Oklahoma West Virginia game, there was a lot of West, there was a lot of blue and gold in that in those seats last night. Oh, and we're, we're everywhere. That really surprised me. 
I mean, I know that they travel with the football team everywhere they go. But to see them travel with the basketball team and see them get behind get behind Huggy Bear the way that they have and to see the students, you know, rally behind them and I saw a lot of I saw a lot of tweets that you retweeted from other guy from other people that that are U UW, UW, UW students. And I just messed that all the way up. University of West Virginia students. Um, what was the last part? Sorry, I missed that. I mean, the, a lot of the retweets that you tweet that you retweeted from students from U W V. I think I said that right this time. W V U. Yeah, West W-V-U. Virginia University. Yes, yes. See, I I knew I had it. I was having a dyslexic moment there, but um, <laughs> you're fine. I'll forgive you this time. Ah, thank you. But. The point that I'm trying to make is that there was a lot of retweets, and you see a lot of support thrown behind not only the school, but behind the the team and behind the coaches itself. Because you you don't have much of a basketball tradition at West Virginia like you did, like you do football. With football, yeah. And I think it's funny, um, we had this debate in one of my classes with where the Big 12 is going in terms of basketball and football, because I don't know if you've noticed this, but like as a Big 12 and basketball I have, it seems like the Big 12 is just kind of veering away from football and moving towards basketball. I mean, there's still like, there's still great football teams and it's still very much an even conference, but I mean, basketball has definitely been something that like we, I feel like we've gotten more national attention for in recent years, especially this year where we like... When half of our conference is ranked, that says something. And you know, even like I know we like West Virginia has seen more success in basketball than in football, and like, it, and it's shown. I mean, we every last year I don't remember this many games being sold out. As like I only got ticket as a student, I only got tickets for half the games just because like it's. I mean, it got sold out instantly, and everyone wanted everyone wants to go just because we're doing well. So. It's, I mean, it's been nice. I kind of, I, I'm more of a basketball than football person anyway, so I like this transition. And I don't think it's going to hurt the conference either. That's one thing we talked about is, is this going to help or hurt? I mean, I don't think so just because the, there's so many teams that are like, every team can compete in basketball pretty much. I mean, we've seen almost every upset combination that you we could have this year. So besides really Oklahoma State, but. I mean, it's still a competitive conference. If anything, it's gotten better just because more teams can compete with basketball than football. You know, and I and I do see the transition between football and basketball, but I think it's because of the parity, and you're finally seeing the scholarship limits finally take effect in basketball, where you only have. 11 and a half to 12 scholarships per school. And I think that yeah. that you're starting to see the parity in, in that. And you're also starting to see the parity in football as well. And I think what should really happen is maybe, just maybe, there should be a thought of adding two more schools to to the conference. Just a thought. Oh yeah, you're not the only, only person thinking that. <laughs> only because of what you could possibly have, not only 
football wise, but baseball, but basketball and baseball wise, because if you look at it from this standpoint, and and I'm a big three guy. Football, baseball, basketball are are usually the big money makers for the Big Twelve because of the size of the stadiums that some of these Big Twelve schools have. Oh yeah, WVU. We just got um because I worked for baseball last year. WVU just got a brand new turf field that they share with a minor league team that just moved to Morgantown. So right. yeah, I mean, and, and you don't see baseball. And that's the eight thousand like seat stadium, is it? If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that. No, it's only it's um three thousand seats, and then there's additional like uh fifteen hundred for standing room. So it's kind of, it's smaller, but it's still. I mean, they. I know, like when I worked for um the minor league team, we sold out all the time, and we just WV just had their season opener last night, and it. I mean, from the pictures I saw, it looks pretty. It looks pretty packed. I mean, and that's the thing is like, you know, baseball. Like I said, baseball, basketball, football are are the big. Uh, you know, that's the those are the the sports that that have been really really good for for the Big Twelve. Then you also look at other sports, other minor sports, well the other Olympic sports like gymnastics, track and field, things that nature. Rifle. Where rifle, where again West Virginia um, won a national championship in rifle for. We have um seventeen. Yeah, I mean, and I it's what the fourth year in a row that they've won. It's the fourth or fifth we won consecutive year. It's consecutively. I think if we win, I think rifle the championship's going on either today or tomorrow, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be like our fifth in a row. Right. But, so I mean, like that—that's the whole thing with this is that you—you see—you see a lot of things that that go on that's so great in the Big Twelve, just like you see in the SEC, just like you see in the Pac-12. I think. If you add those two schools, or, I mean, dare I say, try to get Colorado back into the Big 12 because of the strength that they have in basketball now, as opposed to the weakness that they have in football, I mean... I think, I mean, that would make sense from a basketball standpoint, but at the same time, I think, like, the Big 12 still wants the football element. I mean, besides Kansas, which, like, honestly, should not even be allowed to have football <laughs> at this point in time. Like, like, their football field looks like my high school. Like, not to knock them because, I mean, obviously, why why care about football when you have such a successful basketball program? It doesn't make sense. Right. But, I mean, I think, like, you still need – and that's what's tough about adding teams to the Big 12 is who do you add that can compete in football – and basketball, and football and basketball. And I think that's really, like, the big question. There's no question. I don't think there's any question that more teams should come to the Big 12, at least two, so it's actually 12. Um, just to give us, all, like, a little bit more of a fighting chance, too, when it comes down to, like, college football playoffs, like, that sort of thing. Like, just more teams would help us out in that sense. So I think it's just difficult to determine, like, what teams should come. I know Houston is a, is a school that people throw around a lot. Um, I've heard Cincy, I've heard even like UConn, but I don't think they'd be able to do anything really with football. So I don't know if that could work, but bringing in a school closer to WVU geographically would, I think is a, is a move that they need to consider making just because like, I know like 
it's it's funny. Um, you were talking about a lot of like Oklahoma fans and WVU fans there. Well, I don't know if you noticed, all of the Kansas fans were cheering for Oklahoma just because they don't want it. They didn't want to play West Virginia again. But um, <laughs> like they're all it's, they're all right there. I mean, where they have the Big Twelve tournament for basketball is close to Oklahoma, close to Kansas, K State. All those schools are right there. So I think bringing in another school that geographically could do that is like something yeah. that they need to look into. But you know, then, like, I, what school would that be? You know, it's it's tough. You know, and I've made I, I made a list of schools that could possibly fit into the Big Twelve, um, both football and basketball wise. Um, I've said Marshall in the past. I've said Boise Marshall. State in the past. Yes, I've said Marshall in the past. <laughs> I've said Boise. I've said I've said Houston. Um. You know, TCU, I thought was a good fit, and then that actually happened. Um, I like Boise State too. I like, I think they'd be a really good fit. Um, and I like Houston, but then it, it, that's just another Texas team. Exactly. So. <laughs> so I mean, like, you don't want. I mean, you're already overrun with four Texas schools. Yeah. You know, you don't need any more Texas schools. Then it would just be the old Southwest Conference plus the Oklahoma schools, the Kansas schools, <laughs> Iowa State, and West Virginia. I mean, that that would be what it would be. But I, I've thought, I mean, I've, I've thought this out too. I mean, I've thought Marshall because of what they can bring football-wise and the tradition that they have. That would in be football. an insane rivalry because we don't really like. Marshall all too much just because like geographically like besides Pitt they're our closest rival really that we like right. I don't we don't even play them anymore in anything but everyone just it's like still an intense mm-hmm. I just I mean like I know like when they had like Cato as their, or Cato as their quarterback um like they were like people like le- people like legitimately thought that they like should be in bowl games and and like act like a serious contender for like um for football and I mean I don't know like. I think throwing them into a power conference like the Big 12 is just almost unfair. Like, West, if West Virginia struggled for three years coming from the Big East, like, I, I think it would take Marshall a really, really long time to even be able to compete. You know, it, it, it usually takes about three years with the transitions from conference to conference. And you saw that with TCU. You saw that. You're seeing that right now with West Virginia, like you said. But the thing about the thing about the transition is with more money comes more more things to do to your facilities, which is like what Kansas is doing with the football facility. They're actually they're actually working on the football facility to get football recruits there. But you still have to re, you still have to deal with the schools like K State. You still have to deal with the Texas schools, you know, to get that talent. And where West Virginia is, that's fertile ground around them for recruiting talent in all sports, which makes which makes West Virginia such a great, viable place for the Big 12. No, yeah, absolutely. And I think especially with basketball or recruiting in the past couple of years, it, I mean, it shows on the floor with all the talent that we have. Like we can we can recruit, which is great, and I think being in the Big Twelve definitely helps recruiting wise. So I mean, I don't know. Like, I just can't. 
it's difficult to me just also like I mean I might be biased because I'm not the biggest Marshall fan but we we play we play Marshall in basketball and I don't even we're not next year we're not even playing them just because it's almost I want to say it's almost a waste financially and like if we got if one of our players got hurt when we like win that game every single year for the most part that's just not I mean like if if we lost like god forbid like if we lost like Jay Sean Page because he got hurt and like tore his ACL or something playing Marshall at the um it's called the Chesapeake Challenge that's what it's called when we right. play them um that would just be ridiculous and like just a waste like unnecessary so we're actually um they Marshall wants to continue that series but WVU said no because it's been such a blowout with WVU winning like almost every year especially on the football side especially on the football side. And well, we haven't I can't remember the last time we played them in football, honestly. I don't think we played them in football since I've gone to school here. I know like cuz they're I I think, the, I'm I think to... the last time that Marshall and West Virginia played on the football field was 2001. Yeah. I mean, and that I was think their football Moss program did, has so. Yeah. And I think their football program has improved since then. But I don't. I just don't know if they can compete in a Power Five conference. Uh, and you know that, that that I agree. <laughs> and that's and that that's the that's the drawback to to the whole situation is that who can you bring in that's already you don't want to call them elite already, but they can come in and compete immediately. Exactly. I think that's. that's like- the, I think ahead, especially for no, you're fine. Like even like I would say like I mean if you're talking just basketball, like I mean maybe like DCU, but I don't think they have much of anything really going on with their football program because I couldn't tell you one thing about it at all if they even have one. Um, but yeah, it is like, and I mean like we talked about with transitions, like obviously like it is a transition, so not like is one team supposed to come in and automatically do well? No, because if you look at West Virginia for football and even basketball, we struggled at the beginning. And we still, for football, we're still kind of struggling to get our footing in because it's it's so different from what the Big East was. I just think that, you know, you've had Dana Holgerson go through the transition. Now it's time to get somebody in that's established, that should further what he has already done. I think that 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 would be the best way of of putting where West Virginia should be at right now. Like bringing in a new head coach. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of people here would um agree with you there. And I think at first a lot of the Dana Holgerson um I don't want to say hate whatever I'll just use that. Like I think a lot of the Dana Holgerson hate came in because people had really really high expectations for what like unrealistically high expectations for what was going to happen when we came into the big 12, but I think it's also at a point where it's like, okay, like we're not really improving how we should. I mean, I don't know how much longer um, uh, Shane Lyons is going to like kind of keep him. I know that he just renewed his contract, so he's still here for next year. So that's what I feel like every year people always talk about, well, if WBU doesn't do this, then they're, then Dana's gone. Like, I mean, we, we won a bowl finally. So like that was exciting. <laughs> So I was like, oh, great. We we won a bowl game while I was a student here. I love it. So Sweet, sweet. And we got two minutes. We got two minutes left on the air. Is there any shout-outs that you'd like to give or any anybody that you'd like to say hello to? 
uh, yeah, my parents are listening, so thanks for listening. Um, they just realized that I do this with you, so they're like, oh, like, send us. So they've been listening. Um, everyone from Per Sources that's listening, thank you, especially JT, obviously. And that's really it. Um, anyone that's listening now, if you haven't already, check out Per Sources. That's the website I write for, and I help run their, match, their March Madness. So if you enjoy listening to me talk about teams, you should definitely check it out. It's just persources.com. And I, and I appreciate you being on the show. And, again, check out Audrey Gunther, Audrey on, on Twitter. It's her first name, A-U-D-J-G-U-N-T-H. <laughs> um, yeah, and you'll, you always ahead, retweet me. I was going to say, you always yes. retweet me, so I'm always on your timeline. Oh, yes, definitely. So, you know, get in contact with her, talk with her about anything you want to talk about. Also, call, also check me out, uh, Live by Tess Network, King Underground Media. Uh, you'll see my weekend that was vlog on there Monday um, as well. Again, special thanks to you, Audrey. Special thanks of to course. everybody around. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. Don't get in too much trouble and don't do what I don't do anything that I wouldn't do. So you guys have a great weekend. Be careful, and as always, let's go tailgating. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. You can't rescue me. Oh, I can't? You can't save me, no. But I can try, right? <laughs> yeah. But what then? You know, that ain't so bad. Yeah, I told a girl I love her, you stand on your own But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own Became the boy and then I turned to a man on my own The lone wolf for the pack, moving through hella crap Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down Now you the one I picture when I roam around And the summer I'm falling for you is going down Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind Think I'm the one, that that's just something I'm reaching to find Out of control, but yo, that shit that I still been denying Yeah, the light's down, but we staying up And looking back where I started, my only way is up Way to the world, but I lived it before the weight is up And still myself the one and only that I came to trust Now that's some crazy luck yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit. Yeah. And she just keeps saying. Oh, nah. You know what? Maybe you're right. What you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. 
I never really thought realistic Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it Said only I can reach it And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone I'll be hearing spirits so you can hear this yeah, well these rappers stuck on the same product Tell them forget it, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it Riding, whipping through the horizon My time it is something better than it's ever been They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz Hip-hop's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence Back to the wall where I started back in the day I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight Trying to show the autos around me that I can stand on my own Now I swear I'm afraid of nothing, I'm screaming that through the phone While I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal How I ran up the standards of how we live it. It's funny, they pull the camera The pics of how I'ma get it when years I've been in my zone And it's just how I started by killing this on my own My word is my bond And I'm just out on my own